The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to SoulStream with Rev. Kristen Powell of SoulStream Ministries and Unity Rising. Mission and messages complement unities. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the process of celebrating our 57th anniversary, 57 years of teaching people how to live healthy, happy, and prosperous lives, 57 years of transforming communities and households, 57 years of being a light unto all humanity, 57 years of making a difference in people's lives, 57 years of teaching people how to become aware of their oneness with God, 57 years is a long time to do anything and especially to do it in a major way. In the midst of this understanding, we're in the process of, with this show, working with one of the core books that we teach in the Johnny Coleman Institute, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. We're already at the chapter sufficient unto today, and we're going to continue to teach the book week by week. The one thing that I did ask people before we get into chapter 10, sufficient unto today, is that if you're listening to the show, my request was that you actually get the book. Read ahead of, uh, so if you know I'm on chapter ten by next week, and you're listening to the show, make sure you have read chapter eleven. Why is this important? Because I'm actually taking time to do this show like a class right now, instead of doing a whole, you know, interviewing folks or just taking abstract concepts and teaching them. I'm actually taking core books. And and I say core books, core books and new thought and actually teaching them, because I realized that so many people don't have access to this type of information. And if you do have access, at least to the material, as far as a book is concerned, you don't necessarily always have access to a teacher who has some experience in teaching this type of material um, to, to the masses. In other words, at a high level which I hope I'm doing, I hope. And therefore, if you get the book and then you read it and then I talk about it, it gives you an opportunity to really reflect, really pray, really meditate, really contemplate on what 
the message is saying to you. And then the inner teacher, the real teacher, can then take what you're working with and give you revelation. And once you have a revelation, then it's your job to get a realization of what has been revealed so you can manifest it in your experience. So today's show is on, again, chapter 10, sufficient unto today. And why is this important? Because this is basically the chapter that uh, Eric Butterworth, the author of the book, Discover the Power Within You, wrote to talk about Jesus's teachings about uh, dealing with the world of prosperity, money, business, work, success, etc. And sometimes we don't view it from that standpoint. When we look at Jesus, you know, we tend to forget that several of what he what we call miracles um, that he performed were supply miracles, feeding the people multiple times with the fishes and the loaves, turning the water into wine. Those would be considered supply miracles. Um, and it's important for us to realize that because if we don't, we'll think that, okay, it was just about just healing. The idea that I want to get across to you is this. The Christ in you, God in you, meets the need and what's important in your life. I don't need necessarily the same manifestation that you need because what you need might not be what I need, but God can meet the demand. God can meet the demand. And that's important to recognize because the we at times talk a good game when it comes to God. We talk a good game when it comes to truth. We talk a good game when it comes to faith and trust. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's how we really live. We say we we want we have faith, but what we really want is security because what's really driving us is fear, not faith. So, so when we masquerade as a person who believes in the abundance of God, but we're really being driven by fear, that fear draws experiences to us that create more opportunities to be fearful. That fear gives us opportunities to start paying attention to the things that are around us that don't recognize the abundance of God. You know, and instead of realizing that, as as Scripture says in the 91st Psalm, a thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Now, a thousand at your side and 5,000 at your right hand could be health. It could be money. It could be job situation. It could be a business situation. It could be a marriage. It could be a relationship. It could be your relationship with your children. It can be your family. It could be your friends. It could be at your church. It could be in your different social networks. It could be in your fraternity, your sorority. It could be many things, but a thousand may fall, can fall at your side and 5,000 at your right hand. And it shall not come near me means when you are walking in the promises of the beginning of the 91st Psalm, he who dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall dwell under the shadow of the almighty. That promise then is connected to a thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. That's the promise. And that's the space that we have to look at when we start talking about Jesus's teachings on prosperity, because without that context, what we do is we try to wrap our human intellectual thinking around something that at times makes no sense. So Eric Butterworth starts off on page 121 by saying or writing, the gospel of Jesus is not an outline of divine edicts, which God has set down to be obeyed by man for some inscrutable reason of his own. It is a compendium of Jesus's treatment of the laws of living, the laws of, of our own being. Then it says this, and I think this is powerful. These laws had been discovered and fully tested by Jesus in his own life. So what Jesus is saying is, this is what I learned. This is what I did. Now, 
follow me. In other words, having and following a consciousness that has already produced the results that you want to produce. This is one of the reasons why New Thought considers Jesus a wayshore because he did it already and then he had a, a systematic way of following him and then said, follow me, follow me. Why? Because I know what I'm doing. If you want to learn a, something that is important to you, you go to people who know what they're doing. Joseph Murphy once wrote uh, to go to your family with your marriage problems is like going to a carpenter to get your teeth fixed. Now, what was he saying? A carpenter is great at building stuff. Not so much when it comes to doing your dental work. And many times we talk and we connect with and we learn from people who are not necessarily producing any level of the results that we desire. But we listen to their opinions about our lives and what's possible, or they listen to our complaints without redirecting us and saying, hey, wait a minute, you have the power to change this. Are you utilizing it? Now, back to the book. The scripture says on page 121, lay not your up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up your self treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth consume and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also. So it goes on to say, many have rejected this teaching of Jesus for it appear that he is against thrift or making mo- making a saving of money. But here's the key. Butterworth gives a context. In Jesus's day, they didn't have banks or buildings or building and loan societies. Any accumulation had to be hidden in the walls of the home, and usually valuables were in the form of useful items such as silks or woolens or metal objects. They were always in danger of rusting out, wearing out, being destroyed by moth, or being stolen. I would like to add that another thing that people would do in Jesus's day is they would bury their wealth. So if you had, you know, you got to remember some of these people had land. This was an agricultural society. So many times what they would end up doing is they would bury their wealth. If they had metal, you know, metal wealth like gold or silver or anything like that or anything that was considered valuable, they would bury it. Why? Why is that important to know? Because if you don't understand it rusting and wearing out and whatever, you got to, again, there was no whatever the bank is in the area you live, you know, or, you know, in the United States, Chase Bank or Bank of America or whatever. No such thing. All right. Now, what does it mean metaphysically? Page 122. Jesus says, lay up, your, lay up treasures in heaven. He is referring to a metaphysical principle that material wealth is objectified thought. Don't miss that. That is key. That is the key to the rest of this chapter. That material wealth is objectified thought. Because we say as within, so without. It says when we think of money as a thing in itself and when we think of the accumulation of of possessions as a goal in life, we're building life upon shifting sands. Jesus is telling us to put first emphasis upon building a mental bank account of faith, building an awareness of the opulent substance of spirit. This consciousness will attract to us experiences that reflect the mental pattern again as within so without so it's reflecting so in other words if you have money and no consciousness of the money you can't keep it It doesn't make a difference how much money you get this is why um, so many news reports are out floating if you do the searching on on the internet about lottery winners who win 
large sums of money and within seven years, seven, seven years, are broke again. Unless a person has a radical shift in consciousness, unless a person learns and, and starts taking classes or courses or, or gets mentored in how to handle their money, if they get it in a lump sum, they'll blow it off. They'll blow it off. And on top of this, let me just speak very plainly. We ask the universe for more, and we don't handle what we have in divine order. I just want you to get that. I'm not saying that it's enough. What I'm saying is, is it being treated in divine order? You know, are you being responsible with it? Are you taking care of your business with it? Do you have a plan? Even right now, if it doesn't seem like it's enough, is it conscious, intentional thought about how you utilize your money? Or is it just put fire out, put fire out, put fire out? Okay, go buy what I want to buy when I want to buy. Go eat where I want to eat when I want to eat it. And, oh, my God, I don't have any money now. What am I going to do? Because a lot of people live that type of day-to-day existence. So they don't have any plan, no goals with their money. They're just living. Just living. And what ends up happening is we pray for more. And if we do get more, how are we handling the more? I joked around with a buddy of mine. I used to work in um, uh, in grocery as a teenager. I was a cart-pushing uh, young guy. You go outside, and, the, and it's cold outside, and I'm out there pushing carts at the grocery store. And uh, one of my uh, really good friends, one of my best friends, is uh, a guy who I met pushing carts at the grocery store. And we laughed because I said something to him that really hit home, uh, you know, um, you know, guy who's highly educated, you know, and, and, you know, you know, you know, all of the things that the world says we're supposed to have and et cetera, et cetera. We've grown up and watched each other accumulate and, and get stuff and buy homes and get cars and all the other stuff that goes along with that. And I said to him, if somebody would have said to us when we were 18 that we would ever ha- making whatever we were making to push carts at the grocery store then, that we would ever have concerns about money if we said, okay, in 20-some, 20-whatever years, you'll be making this. Even though back then we were probably making like four dollars and twenty cent an hour, we would have laughed. I was like, we would have both said, "You know what? I'll take that up because if I was making that, I would never have problems." And he laughed, and I laughed too because if you had an opportunity to speak to the eighteen-year-old you, and and you said, "Well, this is this is what I know this." My knowledge base, this is what I know how to do. In other words, my education, my skill, this is how much money I'm making right now. The 18-year-old, you wouldn't understand why you have any issue with money because that person, to to the 18-year-old you, you're rich. You say, well, I don't have anything. You had less then. <laughs> uh, in very few rare cases would that be inaccurate. So want you to just get present to that. That what we're talking about in New Thought is building a prosperity consciousness. In other words, let me make that so it doesn't sound so abstract. That we think and feel and see life and believe from a standpoint of God is the source of my supply. I'm supposed to have it. Prosperity is having what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. Now, we're coming up on our first break, so I do want to remind you that I do have a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Go on there and like it. I'd appreciate it so we can help spread the message. We're going to take this first break, and I'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're in the process of teaching the uh, chapter Sufficient Unto Today, Chapter 10 in the book Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. On page 122, it states that Charles Fillmore says, Watch your thoughts when you're handling money. Because your money is attached through your mind to the one source of all substance and all money. When you think of your money, which is visible, as something directly attached to an invisible source that is giving or withholding according to your thought, you have the key to all riches and the reason for all lack. Now, that statement landed on me like a ton of bricks. Literally. Because I know this statement. I taught the book Prosperity earlier this year. I believe, yeah, right before this series. But it brought it back real front and center. Watch your thoughts when you are handling money. Because your money is attached through your mind to the, to the one source of all substance and all money. When you think of your money, which is visible as something directly attached to an invisible source that is giving or withholding according to your thought, you have the key to all riches and the reason for all lack. So what are you thinking about when you are dealing with your finances? That's really important. That's what he's saying. Watch your thoughts. What are you thinking about when you're when you're paying bills? What are you thinking about when you are handling your responsibilities? What are you thinking about when you see money? What are you think about thinking about when you look at your bank account or what's not in it or your wallet or purse or what's not in it? or what you need to get done, but don't have the resources, physical resources to get it done. What are you thinking about when you are handling money? Why is that important? It's attached through your mind. See, because again, if material wealth is objectified thought, as we mentioned earlier, then that means that we have to take another look at how we see money. Is money the paper that you have in your wallet? No, we know it's not the paper in your wallet because it could also be 
on a debit card. It can also be in a credit card. It can also be in a form of a check as long as it's what we call money cash flow to back up. And and sometimes credit is not even cash flow. So it's it, so so but majority of time cash flow to back up what we say uh, we utilize it for. Now, why is this important? If my objectified thought changes, my ability to access resources change. Because my mind is attached to the one source of all substance and money. Don't miss that. Your mind is attached to the source of all substance and all money. Hmm. What is that saying to you? What is that saying is possible for you? How do you utilize and work with that idea that my mind is is attached to the one source of all substance and all money? Can you wrap your brain around, wrap your mind around, wrap your thinking around, I am money? That's a great affirmation, by the way. I am money. I am supply. I am prosperity. I am more than enough. I am my cup runneth over. I am, I am, I am. So if this invisible source, my thought is is responding to my thought. And what I have or don't have is the response to the way I think. Because how I think is going to determine really how I feel about a thing. And what I believe about a thing. And what I say about a thing. And what I do about a thing. And how I react about a thing. So if I don't get it right at at the level of my thought, guess what? But if I think I already know it, I already got it. You know how sometimes you just can't tell anyone anything? They already know it. Well, that's us too. We think we know what it means. We think our experience is the experience. So if a person is going through a level of being broke, that doesn't necessarily, and that's your experience. You think that that's the experience and that's how you see life, through the brokenness of supply, not through the abundance of supply. How do you shift that? Well, when your mind starts to shift, you start to take different actions based upon how you think. The difference between wealthy people and non-wealthy people is many times the opportunities that they create for themselves. There are going to be times and situations where you're literally creating something out of nothing. You can say, well, nobody gave me a chance. Literally creating something out of nothing. Literally. James Brown said, you don't have to give me nothing. Just open the door and I'll get it myself. But sometimes nobody's even going to open the door for you. Sometimes you have to kick the door down. Some of the largest companies in the world, like Microsoft, like Apple, were created out of nothing. Think about a Martin Luther King having a march on Washington with the civil rights movement. There was no such thing as a march on anything. Like going, everybody going to the nation's capital. Now we have marches for all type of stuff, but there was no such thing before that. But what, but they had a stand for creating something out of nothing, creating a world that did not have these Jim Crow laws that affected people of color. They literally created something out of nothing. It didn't exist. It didn't exist before he took the stand and others like him to to change, literally change federal law. If God can do that and more, what can be done in your life when you really shift and come from your power? 
instead of your problems. When you shift and realize that literally you can make something out of nothing. Literally. Once you make up your mind, you're powerful. See, but we talk ourselves out of our own blessings. Well, I know I would do that, but then we start procrastinating. I mean, a lot of people know what it takes to be successful, but they just don't do it. They know who they need to contact. They know what they need to do. They know, know what they need to research. They know what fulfills them and satisfies them. They know what to do, but they aren't doing it. I say to my class all the time, everybody knows how to lose weight. Diet and exercise. It's not a secret. But why is the United States the most obese nation in the world with all the knowledge and access to the information? Because knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It's only power when you use it. And these principles of truth that that I've been teaching and the other teachers on Unity Online Radio and these other folks who are teaching these universal principles will tell you that these principles only work when you use them. Or as I found Reverend Coleman used to say, and this statement has been picked up by so many people all over the world, it works if you work it. It works if you work it. So if there are laws that govern prosperity, are you working them? Or sitting on your behind. Complaining about what doesn't work. You can't have it both ways. You can't have your power and your complaints. All right. Back to the books. He goes on to say, let's get one thing straight. Nowhere in the Bible does it say money is the root of all evil. This is one of the most misquoted and distorted statements in the entire Bible. What the Bible does say is the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The problem is not with money, but with our attitudes about it. Money is innocent. And I would say this. The love of money in the Bible only means that people who 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 make the, the accumulation of wealth or money or whatever over the well-being of themselves and others, greed. And other things that go along with that, deception and lying and manipulating and et cetera, all the things that go along with that greed uh, um, are denounced, and rightfully so. But you should love your good. should love your, I mean, I, you know, why? Because think about who you could help in your own life, your, the people who matter to you. If prosperity wasn't an issue, who would you help? How would you help? Who would you support? Whose kids would you help go through go through school? Would you go back to school? Would you do some different training? Would you start a new business? If you start a new business, who are you helping? Because you're employing people. You're helping families just by doing that. Just think about Bill Gates being in his garage starting his company. Now think about how many people are supported by his decision to go forward with Microsoft. Not only did he create prosperity for himself, he created prosperity for millions of people because there are people who are directly and indirectly connected to him because of his company. It's really important. It's really important that we get that. So, anyway, moving on. The book says on page 122, money is a medium of exchange, a symbol of all sufficient substance, a evidence of ideas and currency. Money can enable great things to be done. It can enable love to flow, services to be rendered, faith to be backed up by works. That's all great stuff. And I just want to emphasize that that's all great stuff. But here's where we need to work with it. But when money becomes an object in life, in other words, not what money can do, but the money itself he's talking about. It frustrates the creativity of man, inhibits his spiritual life, and it becomes a kind of 
evil force giving rise to greed, dishonesty, sin, and graft. Now, what I'm going to do is just take a little bit of a different shift. The money never changed. It doesn't take on anything. It doesn't become anything. Your mentality becomes inconsistent with what money was used for or supposed to be used for a medium of exchange. So our mentality becomes sort of like an evil force giving rise to greed, dishonesty, dishonesty and graft. Money's still innocent. See, he didn't even see that when he wrote this. I don't believe that he wrote up to a, a few paragraphs before money is innocent. So even when people are being greedy and dishonest and manipulative, money is still innocent because it's just a medium of exchange. It's neutral. It has no meaning until we give it meaning. None. Here's a good question to ask yourself. What does money mean to me? What does money mean to me? That's one. What does money mean to me? Second question. What did I learn about money from my primary caregivers? What did I learn about money from my primary caregivers? Now, this is how I want you to answer this question. Not by just what they said, but by their example. How was your mom, dad, grandparents, or whoever raised you? How did they handle money? How did they deal with bills? Were they impulsive in their spending? Or were they random? Were they thrifty? You know, I used to, I used to always joke my grandmother could squeeze a dollar harder than anybody I knew. You send you, here, take this dollar and go up to Kentucky Fried Chicken and give me a bucket of chicken. It was like, Grand, this is a dollar. What did you learn about money? Because this is important because what you might not see is how you handle money might be very consistent with how someone handled money growing up. Or it's a direct response against how you were raised and how money was taught by you, either by the access of it or not having enough. So if you grew up not never having enough, you might have money and not be able to enjoy it because you always are concerned that it's going to run out because growing up, it was always not enough. Or you might say, well, now that I got some money, a little bit of money, I'm going to have what I want regardless of what needs to be done. I didn't have, I wasn't able to get the shoes and the coats and the clothes that I wanted to have or the car I wanted to drive or whatever, et cetera. So now I got a little bit of something. I'll stretch myself out to the point that everything I, I, I own is on my back or I'm driving it or living in it and have nothing else. All of those things are right front and center when you start talking about consciousness because if money is objectified thought, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about money? Because you think God is blessing you outside of your consciousness? Get real. There are people that are living in Chicago right now under Lower Wacker Drive is thousands of people, maybe more than 10,000 just homeless people, out of sight, out of mind. People don't even know they're underground. And they're all children of God. What does that mean? What does that look like to you? What do you know, think, feel, and believe about money? It matters. Get real clear and complete with it. So the the child in you is not driving your behavior. And you can make choices that are consistent with where you are now, not where you've been. All right. This is a reminder because we're coming up on this second break or last break. Um, I also have a seminar this Saturday. If you're in the Chicagoland area, it will not be streamed called Creating Miracle Moments. So if you're in the Chicagoland area or, you, or you'll be in the area this weekend from 12 to 2 p.m., I'm having a seminar, Creating Miracle Moments, and it'll be available on CD 
after, you know, next week sometime. So I wanted to make sure I got that in. Um, we're going to take this last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I also want to remind you before we get started that um, I guess it's kind of late in the game for this now, but if you you were to call in and ask me a question today, to have this last segment to do so, you can call in to 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. also want to remind you that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your giving. As Jesus stated, you know, freely you have received, freely give. So support the station by clicking the donate button supporting it's, it's it's bells and whistles that go into supporting these things you know you know staff producers equipment to make sure that this stuff is done it, this isn't a show that people use uh to get the people that are hosting the show to um get paid it's not a reverend mcdowell is doing this to get money thing believe me that's far from true uh, this is not none, none of the hosts on this sh- these shows are paid to do this. We're doing this out of the love of our hearts because we want to give back to you. We believe in what we're doing. I just want to make sure that that's present because sometimes when people hear shows like this, they think it's like the regular radio station. No, it's not. Everybody here is giving it because this is a gift of ministry. So everything that you give goes directly back into supporting this online ministry that helps people live better lives. Now, moving on. Page 123. He says, so Jesus is telling us that if our evaluation of the important things of life is centered only in materiality, then the moss and rust of selfishness, covetousness, competition, fear, and tension will surely consume our possessions and even us. And the thieves of inflation and depression both mental and economic, will steal our good from us. And he goes into some things about, about 
um, security and all the things that we want to secure our future, which I don't think is, by the way, I don't think it's wrong. Um, and I, you know, when I read this, my thought was, you know, when he wrote this, he was probably around in his thirties. I wonder how he would have wrote this at 80. Uh, the point of it is this, that I, that I want to make is it's the thought that you utilize when you do the things that you do. Okay. If you think of, oh my God, this is my fallback, or instead of this is a part of my universal flow, I'll always have universal flow. I'll always have whatever. And, and, and it's like a farmer plants seeds to have a harvest, doing things that, that go along with health insurance or job insurance, Social Security, Medicare. You know, it's a whole big issue right now in the United States over the Affordable, uh, uh, Affordable Health Care Act or whatever. Um, these, you know, the thing about it is having things that help make life easier just work. So it's not a thing of pro or against. The issue is, does it, are we creating a society that works and is beneficial for everybody? So these things aren't necessarily uh, bad. The thing about it is, um, we can't just rely on things outside of ourselves. We need to, you know, we need to make sure that we also have the consciousness that will allow us to be able to manifest the things that we need in our lives. You know, many people are rushing to retirement so they don't have to do anything. I'm of the opinion that that's, you know, you can retire from your job, but you don't retire from life. And that doesn't mean you have to retire from bringing in material abundance. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Get a handle around that you can make money as long as you can make money, as long as you have a mind that allows you to do so. Or if you do things that are, you know, physical and that's how you like to do it, as long as you're physically capable. And then when you're not physically capable, shift your mind and use your mind. You know, you know, you watch people who coach basketball. A lot of people who coach basketball and football are people who used to play football and basketball. They can't physically do it anymore without harming themselves, but they can still use their mind and they can still make money by teaching others and training others how to do it or going on TV and talking about it. You know, Mike Dicker hasn't played football since the the 60s, early 70s, but he was a coach of several teams. He's on TV every day as commercials, as restaurants in Chicago, the whole nine. Why? Because what does that have to do not being able to do what you used to do have anything to do with what you can do now. What does you not being able to do what you used to do have anything to do with what you can do now? Get that. As Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Okay, you can't do that anymore. What can you do? Okay, you don't have those connects anymore. Who can you talk to? Okay, you don't have those that access anymore. What access do you have? What access can you create? What do you want to do? All these things have to do with I'm, what I'm teaching because if that's not present, what's present is fear. What's present is procrastination. What's present is discord. What's present is competition. What's present is manipulation. Those are the things that get present when you're not being your potential, when you're not living from the truth of who you are. So are you present to when you're not, as Gary Simmons would say, who wrote the eye of the storm, you're either the way of the Christ or you're in the way of the Christ. And by the way, I recommend the book, The Eye of the Storm, for like almost everything. Uh, you know, I'm I'll, I'm going to teach that book uh, next year. Uh, I just think the, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Anyway, side, that was a sidebar. Now, back to the book, page 123. When Jesus says that we should lay up treasures in heaven, he is saying that we should become more conscious of what we have going for us in the depths of us, the divine of us. This is what we often refer to as building a prosperity consciousness. 
the realization that God is the source of our supply, that all supply comes from an inner resource and that our greatest need is not so much to build great reserves of wealth out here as to build up great faith that there will always be a flow of substance through us as ideas and into our experiences money to meet every legitimate need. I want to talk a little bit about ideas. Ideas of prosperity. Ideas that will bring success. Ideas that will bring you money are always present. But seldom utilized. You have an idea, oh, I could do this, 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 uh-huh. And it's almost like a daydream and you put it aside without realizing that was the answer to your prayer. Reverend Coleman used to say, when she was active in ministry, God answers prayers with ideas. And that was that was something to get a handle on. Because we we pray for things. Now, the idea that you grasp can if you get it can show up as things. But she would say God answers prayers with ideas. Learn how to work with ideas. She would then say all ideas come fully clothed, which meant everything that is needed for the fulfillment of the idea is in the idea. Fully clothed. Fully clothed. Just be present to that. All of God's ideas are fully clothed. Have everything in them that you need. What ideas have you have come to you, come through you, and you didn't do anything about that you know if you acted on them would make all the difference in your life? All the difference. Think about it. There have been ideas that you've had that you sat down on. You gave yourself a reason why you couldn't do it. You justified it. Became content. You procrastinated. Became resigned. Didn't do anything. That was the blessing that you didn't grasp. And like Jacob say to it, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Be present to that. That's what happened. That's what happened. That was the opportunity for your miracle moment. But you got to grasp it. You have to grasp that all of God's ideas come fully clothed. And God answers prayers with ideas. So you start praying about stuff. Next thing you know, people start to, when you grasp the idea, the things that are needed to support the idea show up. Money, resources, people, things, positions, doors start opening. Miraculous calls start happening. But you have to grasp the idea first. Get that. You know. You have to get that. Be real present to it. You have to get that. So we're running up to the last 30 seconds of this show. So I just want you to just get present. I, I, I dropped a lot on you all today, and I really want you to think. Go back over the show when you have an opportunity. Listen to the download. Really listen to it. I know we didn't really get that far into the chapter. We only did three pages. Maybe I might change it. Do a little bit more with this next week. I don't know yet. I'll pray about it and we'll see. Because I taught what I wanted to teach. But I can play with this chapter some more. So God bless you all. And I'll be back with you. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio.
This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house. The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Rev. Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, do greater things. There is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment, and the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts. 